What in the world is going to happen? That's the title of our series we're currently in the midst of here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Join us as we take a look at End Times next. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Hello, and welcome to our program. We're continuing our series called What in the World is Going to Happen? It's look at end times, eschatology, if you want to use the proper term. Today, our focus is going to be on the Great Tribulation, just exactly what it is, when will it take place, and what the Bible has to say about it all. Please join us for a very insightful look at what in the world is going to happen the end of the days. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, once again, here's Pastor Phil Howard. They were scourged people with fire. They were seared by the intense heat, and they cursed the name of God who had control over these plagues. But they refused to repent and glorify him. What is man's problem? He refuses to acknowledge God. He refuses to repent. He refuses to give God honor. He wants to live for self. I want want to do what I want to do. I'm going to live my life my way. But you're making a wreck out of your life. I don't care. My way is the best way. Because we grew up when uh, uh, you light up my life. Don't you make my brown eyes blue. How can it be wrong when it feels so good? How how many of you love that beautiful, unscriptural song? How can it be wrong when it feels so right? Did you see the debate with Larry King here the other night? Thank you, Claudia. And John MacArthur was there with uh, Chopra, and you had this spiritist woman, and you had a priest, and... uh, I I guess that was it. And a guy that wrote a book on a case for evil. It was an FBI agent. And when these people talk about evil, nobody could say man was evil. Nobody could agree on what's right or wrong. And this one guy said, the priest said of all people, says, well, what's strange is when the pedophile is doing his crime, in his mind it's not a crime, it's pleasure. So how could you call it sin to him? And you're waiting for the panel to give a unanimous voice. No, that's wrong. But the the consensus of the panel accepting MacArthur was, no, if it feels good to you, you couldn't call it really sin. So you couldn't call Hitler a sinner for killing six million Jews. It felt good. It felt so right. Because in a postmodern world where nothing is right or wrong, and everything's how I feel, how my perspective is. We have this supreme law of God that says, fool around with everything you want to call this culture. Call it postmodern. Call it neo this. Call it hip. Call it hop. Call it Generation X. I've got one standard. You're going to be judged by one standard, not the hip hop standard, not the rhythm and blues and rockabilly standard, not the Muslim standard, not the Catholic standard, not your standard, this standard. Brought one standard. That's what it will be brought into court. 
If you don't like this, you don't like God. And you will see the wrath of God. I'm telling you the truth. I'm not wishing it upon anybody. How dare I? I want men everywhere to be saved. But it, I think what reason we gave up talking about this stuff, it scares people, but it doesn't save them. It scares them, and it should. So how do you preach all the Bible and not deal with these areas? Do we just snuff it out because there's some things about God we don't want to know? And one is, he's angry, and he's going to judge. And we don't want to know that. But he will. And he's perfectly love, and he's perfectly just at the same time. But we don't get a handful of putty when we start studying God. Make God as you would like him to appear. No, no. There is a God in the Bible that is going to judge where a crooked lawyer has got the criminal off. There's nobody going to get off here. Did you know this pastor sometimes is lied so much to by people in the counseling room? I don't know who's telling the truth. But there's somebody that knows. And in his day, the proud will be brought low. The liar will be exposed. The child abuser will be exposed. There's no place to hide. He says it's coming. He has not hidden it in his word. The last book in the Bible, he wanted us to the last thing I want you to read. When you read the New Testament, read that divine judgment is coming upon the earth. But it won't make you popular, God. He said, I'm not popular anyway. I just want to tell you the truth. Then he says, the fifth angel, in verse 10, he pours out the bowl, and men gnaw their tongues in agony and curse the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, but they refuse to repent of what they had done. Sixth angel, once again, unleashes these evil spirits at the river Euphrates, and uh, they will go out and bring the kings of the earth to the battle of Armageddon. Demonic spirits will put it in the hearts of the kings of the earth to want to go to Palestine and fight an all-out war. And this will be all the armies that will eventually wind up meeting Christ in the valley called Har-Mageddon, the Mount of Megiddo. The seventh angel pours out his bowl in chapter, verse 17, and uh, flashes of lightning come, and a severe earthquake. I guess so. Listen to this. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since man has been on earth. So tremendous was the quake. The great city split into three parts, and the cities of the nations collapsed. God remembered Babylon the great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. Notice with this earthquake. Every island fled away. Has anyone ever been to Hawaii? Won't be around after this. Australia won't be around. New Zealand won't be around. All the islands, every island with this plague flees and the mountains, the Sierra Nevada range will no longer be a mountain range. You could drive to Tahoe without climbing altitude. He's going to flatten every mountain range on the earth. The Himalayas will be flat. There will no longer be any mountains after this earthquake. Is that an earthquake? 
Try that one. Every mountain range will be flattened under this one plague. From the sky, huge hailstones of about a hundred pounds each fell upon men. Has anyone ever been in a hailstorm? You're from the Midwest then. I was in one in Denver, Colorado, but I was in a basement of a house fleeing. But you know what? All the students that I was going to school with whose cars were out in the parking lot ruined those cars, shot. And one guy was cool. He had a convertible. You ought to see what hailstones do to a convertible. And these were not 100 pounds, but just trash cars, a hundred pounds. Just, just imagine if you were right here and I just I had a bowling ball of 100 pounds. I said, catch. Or, or you just, I just, oh, I just dropped it on your foot. Excuse me. But send them from the heavens. I think of the speed they pick up going through space. But they weigh 100 pounds. God's going to cover the earth right on top of the earthquake when everything's flattened. Then he rains down from heaven these hundred-pound killing stones, as it were. Don't mess with this God. He's got an arsenal that Arnold's never heard of. And he doesn't need any stuntmen, and he doesn't need any special effects. This is the real thing. We've grown up on so much fiction, we think this is fiction. This is going to be the real thing. And they cursed God. Why did they curse God? Why didn't they curse the, the hail? Or, or cuss the wife. That'd be a good time to cuss the wife. Why God? They know where it's coming from. They blame God. And guess what? They're right. God is the source. They curse God on account of the plague of hail because the plague was so terrible, and absolutely it will be. Chapter 17 and 18, he destroys Babylon. 19, he comes back and destroys the armies of Armageddon. What should we learn? Number one, mankind shows their disregard for God by taking the time of mercy to be a time to do wrong. Ecclesiastes says, when the sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out. The hearts of the people are filled with schemes to do wrong. The longer God delays punishment, people take it as more time to do wrong, more time to, to not do the right. Time, giving people more time, sometimes makes no difference. They only use it to multiply their sin. The Bible says something that uh, this generation has not grown up on. When I say this generation, I'm saying everybody 35 and younger. And that is, there's wrath coming. The wrath of God is going to come upon a nation where you can't pray in its schools. You can't mention God in its philosophy departments and get very far. When sin is rampant, where prosperity and gospel, uh, gospel is di diminished in many parts, our God in this world is uh, the minority or those who know him. It's estimated there's one billion Christians on the face of the earth. And that's with all professing faiths. 
that claim to be Christian. Um, flee the wrath to come. I would say to you here, if you're without Christ, may the fear of judgment make you run to the arms of mercy. For thank God today is a day, an acceptable time, a day of salvation, a day of refuge, a day that we beckon men, be reconciled to God, repent, come. He would rather save you than judge you. He would rather welcome you than reject you. He would rather die for you than to have to sentence you. But when you reject all that his long arms, he said in Romans 10, O Israel, I stood all day with outstretched arms for you to come, and you're not coming. Come, come to the Lamb of God. Now is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is no man's. Tomorrow is God's. And you won't have it except God grant it. Any of us will not see tomorrow unless God grants it. What will you do if this is your last day to be alive? Just talking to a friend of mine last night, telling me about a couple we know, and uh, the woman's mother, very spry, 79-year-old woman, very healthy, neat, trim, in shape, just got back from a, a nice vacation trip, and uh, they were all kidding her about how, how long she was going to live, how spunk she was. Three days later, found her dead and gone to glory. A wonderful Christian woman. But you know, the cholesterol was under control. The weight was under control. The health, everything was clear. Everything meant you've got a long time to keep hanging around. But God says, three days, and you're with me. Now, that's not a bad thing for a believer. But it could have been anybody. Look at Romans 2. I think something as I read these passages where these people do not repent. Uh, have you ever had somebody get your arm and, and a, a brother or a buddy and say, say it? And you say, no, say it, no. Have you ever caved in? I have. You know, come on, enough pain can change your mind. Huh? If you put a gun to my head, I think you can get me to say yes to most anything. If I can skip my life out of it. What about this day when God puts his gun, as it were, to the head of the human race and say, you've rejected my son, you've rejected my preachers, you've rejected my gospel, I'm going to deal with that. And yet, None get saved through it, seemingly. But he says in Romans 2, talking about the judgment of God, he then comes to verse 4 and he says, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, the riches of his tolerance, the riches of his patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance? Did you know what? The message of the cross and the grace of God wins a lot more people to Christ than the threat of judgment. Because people know how to throw off the threat of judgment conveniently in many ways, but more have come because they heard God say, I've been patient with you, I've been tolerant with you, and I'm kind towards you. Come, come, I want to save you.
I want you to be mine. And God is saving more people by the offer of kindness and grace than will ever be saved by the threat of judgment. Because man's stubborn heart isn't threatened. He will curse God rather than repent. What brought you to salvation? The doctrine of hell or the story of an old rugged cross where God himself would get on the cross and bear your sin, bear your hell, bear your penalty, and then just say, I've canceled all penalty against you if you but accept my son. The kindness of God is the offer we give you today. I know judgment is coming. I don't know when. But I believe God will keep his word. It will happen. And this may work in your heart that your future is not certain. But God says, my kindness that's waited long for you to come, that's what will save you. Come, come. Don't risk tomorrow. Don't, don't lose your soul. Don't perish. Please flee to the Lamb of God and say, I come, O Lamb of God. Nothing in my hand to thee I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling, O Lamb of God. I come, I come. I'm a rebel from the crown of my head to the sole of my feet, but so is the whole human race. I come. I cast myself at the feet of Christ. I know I did it. I was guilty. I knew this judgment was coming because my dad wouldn't let me forget it. I grew up in the home where he loved the book of Revelation, and I was terrified to hear of its contents. But it still wasn't what saved me. What saved me was the kindness of God that opened his arms to a 14-year-old punk. That's what saved that's what brought me, is that God would bear my crime, bear my penalty. And I want to say to you believers, read one passage with me, 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 5. He says, verse 1, Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord, there it is, Isaiah 2, Isaiah 13, Zephaniah 1, Amos 5, Joel 1 and 2. It's around in the New Testament. It hasn't gone away. It hasn't been fulfilled. That the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, unexpected, unannounced. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. Verse 9. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. I am of that view of prophetic teachers that says this tribulation period is a time of divine wrath. And God has promised his church saints, I've not appointed you to divine wrath. Neither hell wrath, nor the day of the Lord wrath. I'll save in the day of the Lord. I'm going to deal with my people Israel, and I'm going to save thousands of Gentiles who believe the message of the Jewish evangelists of that day. But to my own people, I've said, as pertaining the day of the Lord, 
I have not appointed you to that day. It's a day of wrath, a day of darkness, a day of judgment, a day of blood. And you've not been appointed to it because in Christ, I'm sparing you from even seeing that day. And we call this a part of our blessed hope that when we think of the future, part of our hope is we will see Christ, not the day of the Lord. We will have a Christ come for us and rescue us even for all that he will pour out upon the earth. All of this came in our salvation. We've been appointed to be saved, not to be judged under the wrath of God. And so I say to you, you need to know these things to know what you've been saved from. We've got more description about what happens in the day of the Lord and its plagues than we know what happens in hell. We ought to pay attention. If God can do this on the earth, imagine what he can do in eternity. And oh, let me say to you, lest you impugn me or misinterpret me, I find this to be one of the most sobering, trembling teachings in the Bible. Hear me well. There's two things in the Bible I would change if I could write it with authority. I would take out the doctrine of a slain lamb. I'd have no Messiah on a cross. It's terrible that a member of the Godhead should have to be killed. I'd get rid of it. I don't want it. I don't want to think God could be slaughtered, but I can't remove it. And I would also remove that a man, a mortal man, must pay an infinite penalty foreverness. Oh, if I could get rid of the foreverness of judgment, I would blot it out with everything in me. But if I did so, I'd go against the meek and lowly Jesus who gave us more information about hell than any other man in history. He is the authority for why we even believe such a teaching. But today, I offer you grace. I offer you forgiveness if you but put your faith in Christ, a Christ who died in your place, who doesn't want your money, who doesn't want your good life. He wants you to receive Christ by faith. Come to him saying, I'm a sinner. I want Christ. I want to escape the wrath of God. On those terms, God would save you. Now, isn't that amazing? Someone comes to you and says, I want you because if I don't take you, you'll kill me. That is a pretty strong leveraging uh, bargain, if you ask. But God knows mankind needs both the love of God and the fear of God to move the heart towards God. Come, come, just come to Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent of those sins. Come to Christ. And then, dear church saint, why don't you rehearse what you've been saved from? Just remind yourself of all that you've escaped just because of the kindness and mercies of God. And then the rest of us, let us tremble at the wrath we were headed for, but for the mercies and intervention of God. We will sing for the first 10 billion years of eternity, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I pray you'll be saved. I pray you'll come to Christ today and not risk your eternity on tomorrow. And I wish I could save you, but you must believe. No one can do that but you. 
Our series is simply entitled, What in the World is Going to Happen? It is a small look at a larger series, a prophetic series, taking a look at end times. And we're only able to bring you a portion of it here in the month of February. The entire nine-sermon set is available for a gift of $15 or more when you contact us here in the month of February. If you would like the book that accompanies this, also written by our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard, simply ask for it by name when you contact us, What in the World is Going to Happen? And for a donation of $25 or more, we'll send the book along as well. For a copy of today's program on CD, simply get a hold of us and we'll send one out to you, no charge. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Or you can write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue. That's 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. That's here in Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. As always, you're welcome to visit Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. We'd love to see you and spend time with you face to face. Services are at 9 and 11 Sunday mornings. Details and directions can be found at our website, valleybible.org, or again by simply calling 855-833-9864. This broadcast is available here on KFAX on a weekly basis as you come by and sponsor us financially and prayerfully. Linking Arms with Us continues the broadcast of Truth For Today here on KFAX, reaching thousands here in the Bay Area for the gospel of Christ. Further information can be had when you contact us at 855-833-9864. And then come back and join us next week for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.